Did you sit around on Valentine's Day and think, you know, I wish I could buy a gift for another person. Today we talk about a new phenomenon sweeping the nation. Speaking of phenomenons, Joe Biden's campaign has joined TikTok, while Mayor Brandon Johnson in Chicago says, you know that device that can detect gunshots? We don't need that in Chicago. Meanwhile, in the city of Boston, we find that migrants have a perfect use. It's being slaves. Today, on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Welcome in. It's the Friday edition of the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Today is Friday, February the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you, sir. It's been a while since he's done that. He missed it on Monday. He wasn't here on Wednesday, so we had to make up for it. A lot to get to on the program. Everything I mentioned, plus the Idaho House of Representatives has just passed a law saying that if you commit Rape against a child under the age of 12, death penalty. Some say that targets certain communities. But we go to polyamory first because <laughs> what is a show without leading off with weird sex stuff? Okay, oh, here we so, go again. I'm shifting in my a, seat because I'm uncomfortable. On occasion, <laughs> on occasion, I I like to watch pe- shows on Peacock. Um, the, the Office. The Office is on Peacock. Everybody Loves Raymond is on is Peacock. It really? King of Queens. Like, shows like that are on Peacock. And, you know, Sunday Night Football is on Peacock. And the occasional Major League Baseball game is on Peacock, along with the Premier League. Hot take. Patricia Heaton makes Everybody Loves Raymond. It's not Ray Romano. No, it's not Ray, but I was going to go with, I was going with Peter Boyle, actually. I was, oh, gonna, I was well, going with Frank. Frank yeah. makes And so does, so does Robert. Oh, yeah. Hello. So... Yeah, uh, great show, but on Peacock, I I opened up the app the other day, and I I, I thought I was tripping, <laughs> tripping yo. <laughs> what? Um, there's what? a new show called Couple to Thruple. Wait, Thruple? Thruple? We've, we've used that word before. Thruple is correct. Couple to Thruple is hosted by Scott Evans and. Sex expert Shamira Howard. Oh dear! And they're helping four couples decide if polyamory could work for their relationships. What is polyamory? Spoiler! Spoiler! It won't. Hmm. Polyamory is basically just non-monogamy. Oh, um, you know, it, anything it's, goes. Anything goes. Now I know what you're saying. People had multiple spouses in the Bible. Yes, they did. But it's a matter of record. It's not exactly condoned. In fact, uh, in the in the case of both David and Solomon. We could argue that those were very detrimental uh, to not only their their own lives, but to the kingdom of Israel. Their mental health. That as well. I don't know. I did see a I did see a meme last night. It really says it all. And uh, it was somebody making a face. It's like Sarah's face when Abraham immediately decides, yes, he'll have a child with Hagar, and he answers too quickly. Um, polyamory Ooh. is a very serious issue, though. Dating shows this website, the Huffington Post. Oh, thank goodness. Dating shows have become a bit redundant as of late with similar concepts on separate streaming channels. Love at First Sight, uh, 90 Day Fiance, um, Love on the Spectrum, all of these Don't shows. Don't forget The Bachelor. 
the golden batch. The <laughs> you know old that man. Oh, oh, yeah. Seasoned like because you can't call them old. Um, but peacock veterans of life. Peacock has something fresh and binge worthy. Oh, oh, absolutely. That's serving up drama, sex, and new propositions. Thank goodness, because we needed more of that. Couple to thruple follows quote. Four curious couples through the world of polyamory as they experiment with bringing a third partner into their relationship. Access Hollywood correspondent, you might remember Access Hollywood from a certain tape. Um, Scott Evans and Shamira Howard are hosting the, uh, the Fiery series, assisting four couples in the process of learning if the polyamorous lifestyle is right for them. No. We see the contestants explore the thruple life. Is the thruple life for you? Evans says... I wanted to do this show because I felt like so many of my friends discuss open relationship dynamics and the thruppledom. Thruppledome. I won't tell you all the details of what goes on in our group chat, but we're discussing a lot of things and themes we discuss on the show. The idea that there's an experience of a relationship dynamic that doesn't limit or only include two people is something we're seeing a lot more of these days. I've had my own experiences with non-monogamy, and I was just waiting to see where we can inherently see this queer experience in a dating show. Also, why does it have to be one girl looking for one guy or vice versa? It was very clear we have all been ready to see this television. Who is we and who is all? I'm not a big fan of dating shows in general. Kind of uh, tangent, but somehow, some way related. Sure. Since we started with weird sex stuff. Um, Can I use the pronouns we and all? Sure. Why not? So when I refer to I am he she my self, pronouns are he she they in no particular order and speak of all of I guess I'd have to use us right all of us you would uh, you know almost like um certain never mind let's see here polyamory explained according to Axios this might help us out a little bit it, it, Scott Evans talked about this phenomenon that's sweeping the globe sweeping our country it's not sweeping the globe. This isn't this is an Axios piece. Now Axios, you know, they scoop a lot out of the White House and out of Congress. But <laughs> this was published on Valentine's Day. This Valentine's This Valentine's Day, more people are thinking about love beyond monogamy. Media coverage, a buzzy new memoir, and shows like Couple to Thruple, it's almost like there's a coordinated effort are bringing polyamory into mainstream conversations. But limited laws are only beginning to protect people from the stigma that can come with being in relationships with more than one person. What's the stigma? One major factor that led to this moment? The pandemic. Oh, of course. An already increased interest in non-monogamy grew during the lockdown when people had more time to consider their sexual identities and what they wanted out of relationships, says Anna Kirova, CEO of the sex-positive dating app Field, spelled F-E-E-L-D. I guess we couldn't add that extra E there. We couldn't Um, spell correctly. Data is limited on the prevalence of polyamory, and surveys differ in how they ask about relationship preferences, But there seems to be an uptick in openness to polyamory. About one-third of polled American singles say they've had a consensually non-monogamous relationship, according to Match.com's 2024 Singles in America study. And a slightly higher proportion describe their ideal relationship as something other than complete monogamy in a 2023 YouGov survey. Well, this just seems like to me that people just want to have their cake and eat it too. What this seems like to me is that no one understands how to harness and control and deal with their own lustful desires. 
Fields, the the app, has seen a 500% increase over the last three years in the number of app users, including the terms ethically non-monogamous and polyamorous in their profiles. 33% of current OkCupid users said they'd consider an open relationship, up from 27% in 2014, and there was a 45% increase in profile mentions of terms relating to non-monogamy between 2021 and 2023. Meanwhile, infidelity is still a leading cause of divorce for monogamous couples. Well, yeah. Duh. Because when you're in a monogamous relationship as God has designed, introducing another person into that marital relationship is in fact a sin. There's something about fidelity, keep, faithfulness. Keep the marriage bed pure. Be smart, Axios says. Polyamory is not the same as polygamy. Oh, thank goodness. Polygamy is a relationship structure in which one person is married to multiple spouses, and the relationships are often patriarchal and rooted in religious fundamentalism. In other words, all you Mormons out there that think it's okay to have multiple wives, hence the show that we saw several years ago, Sister Wives. That's incorrect. You were not allowed to do that. But you can go date whoever you want, and they can date whoever they want, and then you can all date each other. And I'm using date there for a reason. <laughs> Meanwhile, polyamory is a relationship structure in which there are multiple partners, and typically the relationships are non-hierarchical. Ethical non-monogamy is more of an umbrella term in which there is consent with multiple partners. But there's a harmful stigma that can be associated with consensual non-monogamy and also limited laws protecting and supporting people in these relationships. Unlike gender, race, or sexual orientation, relationship structure isn't currently typically protected when it comes to housing and work. Of course it's not, because there's a reason why we incentivize marriage. There's a reason why we incentivize heterosexual marriage. There's a reason why we, why we emphasize uh, legal, heterosexual, monogamous marriages, because marriage... Marriage? Thank you. <laughs> will inevitably, should, in certain cases it doesn't, produce children. It's natural. We incentivize marriage to incentivize child-rearing to incentivize, wait for it, keeping the population going. Replaceable birth rate. Because if we don't, and right now we don't. No. We have a declining birth rate. What? Wait, you're kidding. We have a declining birth rate. It's almost as if we should stop killing them all. But Or we should stop. Telling people it's okay. So there are a couple different to do things. Weird sex stuff. There are a couple different things like this. There's no real uh, <laughs> point to this, and I can't even read. No, no. I can't even read the rest of this. Um, I can't even read the the rest of this um, article because it, I, I will tell you why this is a thing. Because people can't control themselves. Hedonistic anarchy. Yes. We, we talked about it a while back yes. when it came to transgender, you know, and, and I'm, I'm my thoughts on that are morphing. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that at some point, about those that are being told that there's only one way to handle their gender dysphoria. Uh, but I digress on that. The whole idea of hedonistic anarchy is that whatever you want, whatever you feel, Whatever you need, get it. And get it at the expense of anyone, anything around you. Who cares? Do you care? Then that's all that matters. And there's no 
and I'll use the world's term, there's no higher power, there's no consequence, there's no absolute truth, Mm -hmm. no basis or foundation. Right. And what we have is a growing segment of society who is living by the, I believe it was Outback Steakhouse mentality. No rules, just right. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, well, and also the Applebee's feeling good in the neighborhood. Oh, or Burger King. Have it your way. BK, have it your way. You rule. We'll make you anything you... Never mind, that reminds me of a joke. So... Make me one with everything. <laughs> I would encourage you not to watch Couple to Thrupple. I will not be. It's interesting, Justin, that you say it's a, what streaming device? Peacock, which, which is, is run by NBC Universal. Fascinating. Also, Thirty Rock, very funny show on Peacock. A couple, I'm going to say it was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. On this show, mm-hmm. you and I talked about the great social engineering experiment brought to you and you by NBC. What is that? Great social engineering experiment, you ask. America's Got Talent. Ugh. You say, what? What are they oh on, goodness. season 70? 452. Mm. Um, and they've got Nick Cannon, I think. Is he still the... No, I thought it was Terry Crews. Oh, yeah. They, they switched Far to someone a little more wholesome. Far funnier. Um, but the, the judges panel, whatever. I mean, you got Howard Stern, who was on the Howie judge Mandel's panel. on there now. Howie Mandel is there now. Who, Simon Cowell. Who is a... Um, Sophia Vergara. Yeah. I can't remember the other one. It, the, Heidi Klum? Heidi Klum. Wow, how do I know? Um, I don't watch A it. couple of years ago, they paraded and masqueraded um, two men in drag with children in drag. Oh, it's fun. No, to use his term, I'm borrowing, I'm quoting... I, this is not original to me. It's weird sex stuff. Not original to me either. Okay. Thank Michael Knowles for it. Okay. I'm blaming it on Michael Knowles. If you don't like it, it's Michael Knowles' fault. Not his even. Knowles, Stradamus, yeah. A, a couple years ago, I saw a YouTube video. Because mm-hmm. I like watching the comedians or the magicians. Sure. I think a good, good, Press clean. Yes. A good, clean comedian. Or a good sleight of hand magician. Can't stand the mind reading people because it's all, it's stupid. But a good sleight of hand prestidigitator. There you go. This guy gets up on stage Mm -hmm. and in the interview with the four judges and they're asking him questions. It's all scripted. It, he does this really weird thing where, and I'm going to talk to you like you're the judges and he's talking to them and then he does this and then he does it again and I believe it's one of the women asks him, who are you looking at? Now, they would not have asked that if they didn't want to draw attention to whomever he's looking at over there. He says this and there's cameras panning to them. Naturally. Them. Oh, I'm looking at my wife and our partner. And they pan to two women in the audience who are fawning all over each other and their husband, partner, partner on stage. You say, why would they do that? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. To make sure that you know it's now culturally, morally, ethically, societally, ethically, Okay. Couple to thruple.
I, I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, if you want to go buy more Valentine stuff on, like, Valentine morning, I guess, cool. No. Uh, but not cool because it's a sin. Speaking of <laughs> sinful habits, TikTok. Not and, just the Chinese influence. And specifically, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. the third. So the Biden, sworn enemy. the Biden campaign has, or the Biden administration has said that TikTok is dangerous and cannot be used on government devices. So out of one side of their mouth, they say this. And on the other side, they created their own TikTok account. So the, the office, is it the office of the presidency that says no government computer? Or, have they passed that a federal mandate? I think they have. No government? No government device can have TikTok on it. But the campaign says. Yeah, Hatch Act. Totally different. They operate. It's not hand I mean, glove. they walk across the street to yes, use their TikTok totally, accounts. Yes, it's totally different. Um, for the Biden campaign, joining social media presents the possibility for modest rewards, but also high risks, says CNN. Digital strategists see TikTok as a critical tool for Democratic candidates to reach the younger voters. Ah, the youths. <laughs> the youths. This is, this is Joe Biden's attempt to reach the street youths. In the same way that he's trying to reach the Muslim population of Dearborn, Michigan, by saying that he's going to establish a Palestinian state very but soon. Only, but only there? Only a Palestinian state, no, overseas. No, does he say that only in Dearborn? No, but I mean, does we he know. Target I know, TikTok I know, videos. I know those? pandering when I hear it. Yeah. <sighs> Elon Omar. We continue. The account. Created Sunday has released a dozen posts, a mix of cable news clips bashing the former president, jokes about President Joe Biden's age. They probably shouldn't be joking about that. A Super Bowl commercial feature or Super Bowl video featuring the dark Brandon meme. See, isn't it weird that they tried to like the whole let's go Brandon thing? You notice how they tried to copy that? It didn't work for it's not working for the White House. And a clip of campaign staffers defending the president against special counsel Robert Hur's comments on his mental acuity. Um, this is a block, the young voter block, that has soured on President Biden uh, because of rising inflation, concerns about his age, the response, and then my favorite, and his administration's response to the humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Who calls the humanitarian crisis in Gaza? I'll give you a second. Kate Domino, or Domino, uh, a senior vice president for digital at Precision Strategies, a Democratic counseling firm, said, I think they had to launch one. At this point, TikTok use has grown extremely rapidly, even in the past four years, and to not have a place to contribute to the narrative there would be malpractice. Joe Biden won 60% of 18 to 29-year-old voters and 52% of 30 to 44-year-olds in 2020. Do you honestly believe that there will be a high enough turnout of 18 to 29-year-olds this time around where we're not changing the voting rules, that 60% of them would show up to the polls. I think not. A CNN SSRS poll released on the 1st of February found Joe Biden winning 49% of 18 to 34-year-olds uh, compared to Trump, who was winning 46%. While only a third of Americans have ever used TikTok, and I am not one of those, 62% of 18 to 29-year-olds have, according to a Pew Research release last month. Pew found last November that 32% of 18 to 29-year-olds regularly get their news from TikTok. Yes. It is the new search engine for Gen Z. Yeah. They don't even use the G word anymore. They don't even use it. They don't. They certainly don't ask Jeeves, for those of you out there. Do you know about Ask Jeeves? I remember Ask Jeeves. I remember, I remember the day when Jeeves left. 
He left. And it became ask.com. That's right. Because Jeeves was a little too patriarchal. Well, I don't know why, but Jeeves left. It was very strange. And my, I, I think when Jeeves left, I think I was in fifth grade. So, despite security concerns, some politicians have found success on the app. Democratic Representative Jeff Jackson of North Carolina has amassed 2.5 million followers with his straight-to-camera videos explaining the goings-on of Congress. Senator John Fetterman, a Pennsylvania Democrat, has more than 240,000 followers on his account, which launched during his 22 uh, run against Republican Mehmet Oz. The account used to, used memes to bash Oz and paint, it, paint him as, fi- as a financially out-of-touch carpetbagger. Yes, because he was talking about making crudite. Is, is that John Fetterman or John Sweater Woman? I don't know. Fetterman's kind of based right now. Fetterman's kind of based right now with the whole Israel stuff. Like he's he's still lived, but he's, he's the everyman of Pennsylvania. Yeah. He's not that crudite loving Mehmet Oz. So what's if interesting you can is crudite, you get extra credit points. What's interesting is uh, Tyler, um, a uh, Michael Tyler, the Tyler. Commu- a communications director uh, and deputy campaign manager uh, with the Biden campaign said, quote, there's one line in the document that matters, the first one, talking about the Robert Hur document. Joe Biden was completely cleared of wrongdoing, and this was on TikTok, and with your help, we'll beat Donald Trump, the lazy media narrative, and the MAGA Republicans they're enabling in November. Talk about your prestidigitation. Now you see it. The Joe Biden, the Biden campaign claiming the media is on the side of Donald Trump, are you serious? Really? Really? Also, Joe Biden wasn't cleared of wrongdoing. He was found to have done something wrong. But the special counsel said, nah, he's not mentally fit to stand trial, so don't charge him. That's like... Also, say- also, the special counsel, new report, special counsel Robert Hur did not bring up Bo Biden's death. The president did. That's like saying, um, when like an elderly person who's well-meaning, um, what were the words? Well-meaning... Well-meaning elderly, old, elderly man. Yeah. Something, something, something. He, he gets in a car accident. Like a fender bender, like he bumped somebody in a parking lot. Yeah, maybe not a parking lot, but maybe out on the highway. Sure, and you know, just kisses the 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 back of another car, and you know, the police are called, and they're like, "Man, that's really bad." You know, we're not going to write this guy a ticket because he's a well-meaning elderly old man. Now the difference with a poor memory. With a poor memory. Now the difference in the story is they call his children or his grandchildren, and say, could you come get your grandpa because we're taking his license? Yes. Say maybe there's some that want to take his license. There's a 25th Amendment available. Ding, ding, ding. That's your second ding of the day. I remember when Hillary Rodham Clinton tried to connect with the youths. (laughs) She did this on a couple of occasions. Yep, she cool. during the Democratic primary, she did a cell phone video in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where she she shows a koozie that says more like chillery. Am I right? And inside of it was an unopened uh, Snapple was that, tea. Was that Elizabeth Warren's beer? And then it? she flipped her. She flipped the camera around and said. I'm chilling in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. In like, like a public what? park. In a public park that you just your team dropped you off at and they're picking you right back up. No, they didn't. Elizabeth <laughs> Warren like, Elizabeth Warren does a video inside of her own home. She's like, I love 
I beer. love after my after I gather into the TP with my relatives. I like to open up a open up a cold bottle of beer, ice cold beer, ice cold beer. <laughs> come here, walks. come here, come here, honey. Let's enjoy a beer. <laughs> He's holding like a glass of wine. He's like, we don't drink. Like we don't drink beer. I don't what think are you, you talking uh, about. I don't think you should do either. But I, we don't drink beer. Now, now, oh, and Hillary Clinton during the during the general campaign during the during the later term because Tim Kaine was behind her. What a VP pick, by the way, Tim Kaine. Anyway, Tim Kaine's behind her, and she says, "I don't know much about Pokemon Go." <laughs> no kidding. And remember, Pokemon Go was pretty hip, pretty clean, pretty new, pretty fresh. They're tracking you. I don't know much about Pokemon Go, but I think we should make Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> there's a reason why she's there's a reason why she's not president. There's a reason she lost to Donald listen, Trump. Listen, the age old SNL like, clip. Hillary. She's got a Pokemon scheme. Yes, the, the SNL clip talking about the uh, African American gentleman smoking a cigarette and dribbling a basketball uh, plays well for 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 Madam Secretary. Let's move to Chicago, shall we? Uh, no one says that, by the way. No no one says, let's move to Chicago, shall we? Uh, no one says that. But we're going to move on to a Chicago story, if if we can. Chicago has this, um, this gunfire detection system, and boy, is it running on all cylinders half the time. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Shot spotter. Is the name of it? Shot Spotter is an acoustic service that, uh, when it when it registers the acoustics of a gunshot, it alerts local law enforcement, and law enforcement is able to be quickly dispatched to the area. Mayor Brandon Johnson says, "Nope, we're done with this as a city because it's racist." A, a technological program is racist. Well, if roads can be racist, then certainly I thought it was bridges of both. Here's here's the story about Mayor Brandon Johnson. The campaign promise fulfilled. Mayor Brandon Johnson is ending the city's use of the controversial gunfire surveillance system known as ShotSpotter. The city's contract with the company behind ShotSpotter expires on Friday, and the police will stop using the technology September 22nd, about a month after the Democratic National Convention. A city statement said... Moving forward, Chicago will deploy its resources on the most effective strategies and tactics proven to accelerate the current downward trend in violent crime. For years, grassroots organizations targeted ShotSpotter. Um, really quick, I just have to ask, downward trend? Is there a downward trend in Chicago of violent crime? Help me. Is there a, vi- is there a downward trend of violent crime in Chicago, Illinois, in the year of our Lord 2024? If there is... I would love to hear about it. Mayor Brandon Johnson says that the the shot spotter technology is racist because it always deploys to minority neighborhoods. Sorry, I trying to be careful with my response. Then maybe stop shooting each other. Like just maybe stop shooting Can guns. You imagine- can you imagine shot spotter in like Lee count? Uh, no, I'm trying to think of where there's a lot of dumb there's hunting. a gun range 0.6 miles from my house, rural Lexington County. Yeah, in the middle tons. of dove season. There's Can you imagine gun shot fire. spotter? There's tons of gunfire. It's because it hears the acoustics of a gun 
firing a bullet and the bullet leaving the chamber. I don't understand. A person firing a gun, not a gun firing. A person pulling a trigger. Now, what's interesting about this, Mitch, is this thing is super racist. And we've got to get rid of it. But only after the Democratic National Convention. Remember a couple weeks ago, months ago, when Xi Jinping visited San Francisco and overnight that place was spotless? You're going to see the same thing in Chicago. Now, when Grand Leader comes through, we'll clean everything up. And then when Grand Leader leaves, you can all kill each other. It's fine. Do you see the problems with this? By the way, ShotSpotter has said, yeah, we're not doing that. We're out. If you don't want us, we're out. And so today is the last day of ShotSpotter in um, Chicago, Illinois. Now, two other stories I want to get to. The first one is from Idaho. A controversial Idaho House bill uh, would give the death penalty for those convicted of heinous sexual acts against children under 12. This is from KMVT11, your hometown station in Twin Falls, Idaho, where it's currently 34 degrees and a, and a wintry mix. A controversial bill that would give the death penalty for individuals of convicted uh, certain sex crimes against preteen children passed the Idaho House overwhelmingly, even though the bill's sponsor noted it could be unconstitutional. Um, Representative uh, Representative Bruce and Representative uh, Squag, along with Representative Josh Tanner, said the House Bill 515 is designed to give the steepest penalty to the most heinous of crimes committed against children 11 years of age or younger, and that HB 515 would be in line with that of first-degree murder. Uh, there is a dark, a deep, dark, dark side in our culture, and that's our job to protect children. There are times when things are so wicked that retribution is appropriate. It would be very rare that this case would happen, but it will happen. And I say to you, when we see that case, you read it in the newspaper, you're going to say this is the once the case, uh, this is the once that this case needs to happen. Uh, the bill's sponsors say they hope uh, that the U.S. Supreme Court will review the Idaho bill if it becomes law and therefore issue a ruling that would expand the el- eligibility for the death penalty. The Idaho House representatives approved the bill in a 56 to 12 vote. The bill now heads to the Senate uh, for committee review. And if it's anything like some state senates, it might take a while. Um, I don't know whether it's constitutional or unconstitutional, and I really must tell you I don't really care. Uh, I have always been of the understanding that anyone who is con- charged and convicted of rape should be castrated and killed um, because it is the most heinous of actions Um I also believe that if anyone commits heinous sexual acts against a child, forget 12, I'd go age higher, um, but they also, same fate. I don't care whether the Supreme Court rules this constitutional or not. Um, I think it's a good law and and one that I would encourage other states to look into because sexual actions against children are wrong. Now, there are certain groups that are saying that this uh, law will discriminate against certain um communities yep i i would see how some would consider the law the law a draconian and um much like sharia in nature how because of how finite it is it is absolute in nature 
Yeah. And well, rape a child, you should die. I think that's the that's the mantra of the bill. And I'm not. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. I, I mean, I I'm not against that. Sorry, I can't. I mean, I'm I'm reading Leviticus right now. I don't really see where we have a problem here. Um, I I understand how some people could see it as heavy handed, and and and, and to I, you, I, 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 yeah, and I don't. And to but... you, I say, grow up. <laughs> um, one more story for you in Boston. So I don't know if you know this. I love Boston. We have city. we have we have a huge illegal immigration problem. Did you know that? A huge what we're calling now. I thought we had a border czar who was like handling that. Well, they call it a migrant crisis now. A migrant crisis. So it's not a border problem. It's a migrant crisis. Are migrants people? So is it a people crisis? A people problem? Hmm. Well, just. The city of Boston has encouraged their residents to house these people in their home. That's right. People who don't speak your language, who don't try to speak your language, who cannot work legally, who cannot vote legally, who cannot pay taxes, and why would they? Invite them into your home. Give them a place to stay. Here's a story from NBC News 10 in Boston uh, about one family that's doing this and how that's going for them. story you'll only see here on NBC 10 Boston. A migrant family from Haiti is sharing their experience. They're searching for shelter in the Boston area and then recently found a host home in Brookline. And now they're looking for jobs. As NBC 10's Aaron Logan reports, they say these last few weeks have been life-changing. And the- it's been an emotional few weeks for Wildande Joseph and her husband. First, sleeping on the floor at Logan Airport, then in Children's Hospital with their two-year-old daughter who got very sick. Me siento mal. Es más muy difícil este tiempo. She felt bad, as any mother would. Now things are looking much brighter as they've been welcomed into Lisa Hillenbrand's Brookline apartment. Tu niña es muy uh, alegre ahora. Sí. She says her daughter is very happy. When she wakes up in the morning, she says, hi, Lisa, and everyone starts the day smiling. It's a delight, and it's really fun having them. What I realized is there's so much prejudice against refugees, mostly because people don't know them. Lisa says she feels like she has her own personal chef, as Wildande loves cooking. Te gusta la ocupación? Sí. In fact, her goal is to open up her own restaurant. The couple has their work permits, and they've been taking English classes. They're open to work anywhere to save money for their future. In the meantime, they're enjoying their time with Lisa, their new friend for life and their daughter's new grandmother. They are hardworking. They want to learn. They want to be successful. And I feel great helping, and I get to understand the refugee crisis from the inside. Lisa says she's so impressed by the number of people she's met right here at Brookline Town Hall meetings who've been stepping up and hosting families. She's hopeful more will do the same in the coming days and weeks. In Brookline, Erin Logan, NBC10 Boston. 
All right, the need for more migrant shelters in Massachusetts is something we've been following really closely. You can find more information about this and find out how you can actually help on our website, NBC10Boston.com. I mean, heartwarming. Uh, yeah, I mean, heartwarming. You're opening your home. Charity. You're opening your home to Kindness. I mean, also, hey, it pays off. They cook your food for you. You don't have to pay them. I mean, it's it's almost like there's another story like this mm-hmm. from two other people uh, where they specifically talk about they're now able to have them do jobs around the house. I'm like, are you, do you hear the things, the Let words coming this, out of though, your face? Hold? Is there any sort of agreement made, like it, a formal agreement? Rent or? A doubt. No. A doubt. I doubt so, it. So, I, I could process how, you know, one may, out of the gr- gratitude of their heart, extend kindness to those who were gracious to allow them the opportunity to stay in their home and not in an airport or in a hospital or on the street. Mm-hmm. But if it's ever forced, forced gratitude, that's not gratitude. <laughs> that's not gratitude. Forced, no. forced charity, compulsory charity, isn't charity. So... I don't see any problem with somebody cooking a meal or, you know, that sort of thing is gratitude. But if it's ever forced or if it's even expected, you know, unless there's a formal agreement, you will do this because you live here and it's an agreement mutually agreed upon by two parties, like a rent agreement. Right. You can't afford to pay rent right now because you don't have a job. So while you're here, you can do this. I've heard of families doing this with loved ones, you know, Especially those are that are the younger sort who uh, move back into a home. While you're here, you're going to do this stuff, or you're not going to stay here. And they put it in writing, so that the young person, their child, understands how this is going to work. I could see something like that here, but I think the whole purpose of this would be to help those people get on their feet. Um, sure, but. I think we still have one glaring problem here. What would that be, Mitch? They're here illegally. Yes. They didn't get in the long line of people who are entering our country legally. I'm not saying they are illegals. They came to this country illegally. And as we've said over and over again, how many of these people are here because they're seeking asylum? Is it possible, I'll ask the question, is it possible that some of them are here because they've been um, given license by other countries that may not be uh, friendly to America to come here and surveil? Especially, we'll say, fighting-age males. Boy, there's nothing I'd love better than to fight five fighting-age males. Men between the ages of eighteen and twenty-five into my home, yeah, to hang out. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, I think there's there's room for conversation on the issue. I just think we're teetering ever closer to doing things that we thought we would never do. Uh, one quick thing: I don't know if you saw this on social medias, if you saw this on the twitters or the facebooks. Um, Tucker Carlson was in Russia. To interview Vladimir Putin. Did he make it out alive? He did. But while he was there, he decided to go to a Russian grocery store and talk about how great Russian grocery stores are. He 
he opined about the fact that you had to insert a ru- 10 rubles into the grocery cart so that way the grocery cart you would return it to get the money the, back. I'm like, have you been to an Aldi? Yeah. Have you been to an Aldi or a Lidl? I mean, they, that's what they do. He also noted that that the price of groceries was so much less expensive in Russia than in the US. I will note that according to a Russia's Russian state-owned news, news agency, over 60% of Russians spend half of their salary on food. I'm watching this video when we get off. Now the again, I've been show. to I've been to another country. I've been to Israel and I actually shopped in a grocery store in Israel. Very strange because you don't really know how much anything is. <laughs> You're just kind of uh, winging it, winging it, uh, to say the least. Uh, just, just interesting that. Oh, also on the Russia thing, Alexei Navalny died um, in prison overnight. Um, he died. He said he was ill. He just appeared in court yesterday and was fine. Um, mm. So there's, there's that. Um, just saying, sometimes it's the people you most suspect. Just putting that out there. I mean, if I'm already targeted by the KGB, then that's fine. Uh, I have Justin's not going to be feeling well in a few days. That goes before me. I have better. Actually, I might be better off criticizing them than certain other local politicians. Not local, but national. Uh, <laughs> those shall remain nameless. I feel fine. And I'll continue to feel fine as we head into the weekend. Hope you enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the fastest-growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Justin, you know what today is? Opening day. Of baseball season. College baseball. Baseball. College baseball. But, yes, baseball. Uh, Gamecocks play at four. Um, And if you could, check out their social media. I'll say this. Yeah. Going to be the hardest uh, opening day uh, in in quite some time for a lot of us. Uh, Good friend. My good friend, uh, Tommy Moody, no longer with us after his passing in October. And so uh, looking forward to see what the team does today and throughout the rest of the year uh, as they honor his memory. And his daughter, Casey's throwing out the first pitch today of the, oh, cool. of the new season. So Don't bounce it. It's exciting. Uh, she won't. She's an, she's an athlete. Uh, enjoy your weekend. If you're going to the ballparks, either here or up at Kingsmore, uh, DKS, uh, have fun. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you back here. We'll talk to you back here on Monday for Mitch Prosser. I'm Justin Hall. This has been the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. The Palmetto Football Matter Show. Oh, 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 oh,